one of the other sermons. It's recording now. Okay. Right. Well, then let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I pray that you give us revelation. Lord, that we recognize that it's you that we want to hear from, not somebody else. Father, I pray that if there are things in our lives, religious things, that we would be open to hearing what you have to say. And Lord, that we'd be willing to drop those by the wayside that we can follow you. I pray we have a hunger for you more than anything else. Father, we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, we're in a war, spiritually speaking. We're in a war. The, the, the Paul told, the, told Pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So, sounds to me like we ought to be fighting. There ought to be some fighting going on. That's what the Bible says. We're to fight the good fight of faith. And then the, it goes on to tell us one way to do that. It's talking about you profess with a good profession. That word means confession. And you're talking about fighting this fight of faith it has something to do with this confession that we have. It's not a fight with fists. It's not a fight in the flesh. Uh, it, it's, it's not a fight that we can fight emotionally, quite honestly. The Bible says it's a fight of faith faith it's a fight of faith so sounds like it's a war that's about what i believe or what you believe and that the devil wants to stop us if the devil can convince you that the word of god isn't the final authority in every matter then he has you where he wants you if he can convince you if he can just rationalize with you for just a minute, you lose. I mean, just think about Eve in the garden. I mean, she and Adam, all the only other voice they'd ever heard was the voice of God till the snake comes up and he reasons with her for five minutes and it's over. That's pretty, that's pretty important information that we need to get. If the devil can get you to say something like this, oh, I know what the Bible says, but I've heard that so many times as a pastor when you start telling them what the Bible says. I know what it says, but you don't know my situation. I don't, but I know what the Bible says. Instead of I know what the Bible says, but it needs to be, but I know what the Bible says. This is happening to me, but I know what the Bible says. If he can get you to believe your emotions, your feelings, what you sense with your five senses, especially your eyesight. If he can believe you to believe, if he gets you to believe any of that more than you believe what God said, he wins. And he's banking on that fact that you'll be led more by your emotions than you will be by the Word of God. Oh man, he is. He wants that. He loves it if he gets you in your emotions. If he gets you mad, if he gets you frustrated. That's the goal because he knows he can take you. If he can take your attention away from the Word of God because this is just too hard, he wins. Every time he wins. The Word has to be the final authority. The fight is a fight about what you believe, it's a faith fight. 
The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 4, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, it says, Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long, long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and I believe it's now, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But out of the lust, after their own lust, shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. People want to call somebody to preach to them and they want to hear the fables. They want to hear what they want to hear. I heard somebody one time, they were talking about this big old church, and they said, well, they got to be doing something right. they got this big old crowd there. And I said, I don't know, I just said, well, a clown can draw a crowd. <laughs> the crowd is not the indication that it's right. In fact, it could be the indication that it's wrong. So people want to hear what they want to hear. When it says, it says, they will not endure. They are Christians that he's talking about. He's talking about church members is who he's talking about. In Timothy's church that are falling away, that are afraid of the Romans in, 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 in 2 Timothy. They're afraid of what's going on. And they want to hear what they want to hear. Okay, People today, they simply want to, they, they, they don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. They want to hear what they do want to hear. And they're going in particular to church where they can hear what they want to hear. Does that make sense? Because that's what they want to do. People want to be entertained and they want their ears tickled. That's what, we, that's what they want. We, 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 we understand right now that, 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 that modern Christians today are more, more spiritually unaware than at any time in our lifetime. The, the majority of Catholics believe you can go to heaven in some way other than by Jesus Christ. Over a third of evangelical Christians believe that you can go to heaven by a way other than Jesus Christ. Because they're not being taught and they're going to hear what they want to hear. Well, I just think it's not right that somebody would have to go to hell. It's not right. You're, they're exactly correct. It's not right. But people choose what's not right all the time. I mean, parents go to church because they just need a couple of hours away from the kids. I mean, they get free child care and they hear some kind of message telling them that they're okay. You're okay. I'm okay. Everything is okay. It's all okay. You're going to leave here today, you're going to be happy because it's all okay. And so we've seen over, over, the, over the, the time that the churches have moved more into an entertainment message than a scriptural message because it draws the people. And if you draw the people, you draw the money. All right? it's, it's like this entertaining music concert and every song is like they're trying to win American Idol. And there's so much drama in them and you've got to get cry and all the things. Sometimes you just need to worship without all that drama. Not sometimes. All the time. It, it, it's not that. and You know, we want to have the smoke to kind of pretend that the Holy Spirit is there. You know, like in the book in the Old Testament when the Spirit filled the temple with smoke so the priest couldn't stand to worship. Let me just say something. The real thing has to be better than the imitation. 
has to be better. I mean, all that emotional stuff that's going on. And they're saying stuff like this, you know, God accepts you just like you are. He knows that you suck at being a parent and that you suck at being married and with financial integrity and being faithful at work and being faithful in your life. He knows and accepts you just the way you are. In fact, everything is okay. Well, He does accept you. But He will not accept you staying the same way you are. The Bible talks about change. It talks about growing in faith, growing in the Spirit, growing in knowledge, growing in this relationship with God. It's not a standstill thing where everything is just okay. Here's the sad thing. The church has become complicit with the enemy in the age in which we live. I mean, he's attacking the church, but because the church is not equipping the saints to fight a fight of faith in the Spirit, and they're just saying it's all okay. If you just come to church every week, you've done your duty, and God now, because of grace now, He owes you something. He don't know anything. He's still God. It's okay when we apply the principles of faith. Apply the principles of Scripture. I mean, they're not, they're not even equipped. They don't even have a shield of faith that equips them to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. They're just ignorant. They don't know. Faith can only come from the Word. It doesn't come from hearing a sermon on how to raise money to build your new house. It comes from the Word. People must be taught the Word. It, we hear it and we hear it and we hear it until it becomes revelation in our hearts. Hearing and hearing has to do with meditation in the Word. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world and defeats the deception of the devil. Many people, they go through life thinking, well, the preacher said it's all okay. I'm okay. I'll be fine. Today in churches, there's not a reference to the life of surrender. <laughs> they don't talk about repentance. Don't talk about Jesus is Lord. That makes me not Lord. I serve Him. He doesn't serve me. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is our Father and our brother, but He's still the King. We're in a fight. But let me ask you this question tonight. Peggy and I already had this conversation before we started tonight. What are we fighting? Exactly. What are we, we're, we're fighting the devil. Specifically, what are we fighting? I mean, and, and how do we resist it? How did Jesus fight? Do you remember how Jesus fought? The word of his mouth. We taught one time in, in, in this group that in, in Revelation it talks about that he has a sword in his mouth. Jesus spoke the word. He will overcome the Antichrist and destroy him with the word of his mouth. Jesus knew how to fight spiritually. You never saw Jesus get in a fight with the Pharisees physically. He did, he did turn some tables over one time, but he wasn't fighting against those people. There was something behind that is what he was standing against. He didn't fight physically. 
He didn't fight, even fight emotionally. We've got to fight like Jesus. Listen to this passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 10. Now, this is going to tell you what we're fighting against. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Okay, well, our fight is not in the flesh. It doesn't matter how mad you get at the devil, he's laughing at you if that's all you can do is get mad. Because the Bible says he's full of wrath. He's way more mad than you've ever been. Because he never gets over it. All right? It is not an emotional fight. It's not in the flesh. We, we walk in the flesh. We have a physical body. But our war is not in the physical realm. We don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons are real. They're spiritual weapons. They're real weapons. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are we supposed to use the weapons for? The next sentence tells us what it's about. This is what we're fighting right here. Casting down imaginations and every, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What are we fighting? Imaginations. What does Satan do to people? He blinds their minds. He brings darkness. Jesus brings light. The word is light. The devil is fighting against the truth. An imagination is an image in your mind. Thoughts are in your mind. The devil is doing everything he can to make you think a certain way. What about all them principalities? What are the principalities doing? They're lying. They're deceiving. The fight is over what people believe. The fight is what's in my mind, what's in my thought life. It's a faith fight, not a physical or emotional fight. I mean, it says these weapons are mighty. The, the Greek word is, is, is dunatos. It comes from dunamis, which means miracle power. These, these weapons... I mean, they have miraculous capability. I mean, they're to be used to cast down imagination. They're, they're to be used to bring, to supernaturally bring every thought into captivity. To cast it down. When the thought comes that doesn't agree with the Word of God, here's how you fight it. You throw it down. How do you do that? You speak the Word every time. Oh man, at what time I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. How do I trust Him? That's what the psalmist said. How do I trust Him? I say what He said in the face of it. Who in this good? The war is against thoughts and images that contradict the Word of God. Listen to these verses. You know these. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power is might. Put on the whole armor of God. I wish you had your, your Bible out right now. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the power of the devil. That ain't what it said. Put on the whole armor of God so you can stand against the power of the demons. That's not what it said. Put on the whole armor of God you may be able to stand against demonic strongholds. No. It says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
That's what the armor's for. Standing against, what's a while? Well, a while, the Greek word is, is methodia, which means trickery, deception. We get the word method from that word. We stand against the devil's methods. The armor, the armor is so that we can stand when the devil's trying to trick us. Jesus has already spoiled the power of the enemy. It's already been done. My job isn't to fight the devil's power. My job is to become aware of the devil's tricks. Isn't this good now? The fight, against de- the fight is against deception and lies that hide the truth. The fight is for truth. Jesus said in John 17 that the word is truth. That's the fight. The fight of faith is fought with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Coming out of our mouths. Now that was worth coming for just right there. And how am I going to do that? How am I going to be a person who speaks the word? Well, I got to be in the word. I got to be thinking the word. I'm going to tell you, if you spend your whole time thinking about the cowboys, you're going to talk the cowboys. You're just going to be talking about the cowboys. Man, you're going to be telling us who this person is and that one is and why the cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. But we need to spend our time thinking about the real fight. And what we think about, we talk about, because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't help it. Whatever is in your heart will come out of your mouth now you can hide it for you know while we're in this group, but I'm going to tell you, when you're working in the shop and you hit your thumb with a hammer, you're getting ready to tell us what's really in there. <laughs> right? This is serious stuff. Because Jesus, in that same time, he said, what you, the good man, out of the good treasure in his heart, produces good things. The evil man, out of the evil treasure, produces evil things. What we talk about comes from what we think about and it produces in our lives what we say. You are the prophet of your own life. So what we think is extremely important. Isn't this fun? We're talking about thoughts. A guy came to me this week and said, they told me that you were a pastor for a while and you still teach two Bible studies. I said, yeah. And he said, well, what are you teaching about now? And I said, well, I'm going to teach about thoughts. And he said, Really? He said, why would you do that? And I said, well, I've done it. I've already had six sessions about thoughts. Six about thoughts? And I said, I think I have five or six more. He said, how, how, can, you, how can you get that much? I said, the Bible is filled with information about our thoughts and our words. And he says, like? And I said, I'm quoting from Psalm 20, 26, verse 3. When the Bible tells us that that, that that if we if we will if we will have our heart connected if our mind is stayed on Him, that He'll fill us with peace, peace. And He said, "That's in the Bible." I said, "Yeah." I said, "You'll know if you're thinking right if you have peace." I said, "The moment you don't have peace, you're not thinking right." He said. That's in the Bible? And I said, yeah, it's, it's throughout the Bible. What we're thinking, if we're thinking 
thoughts from God, they bring peace. We got to think right. If we're going to fight a fight with the enemy, we're going to fight it the way Jesus did, and we're going to have peace while we do it. Jesus didn't walk around at night thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder what the devil's going to do tomorrow. I hope I'm ready for it. I hope I can do it. He had peace. Because all he knew he was going to do was speak the word. And that's what he did. Well, now that brings me to my text tonight. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we talked about this before Christmas, and we, I'm picking it back up right now. We've talked about being transformed. Conform means to be forced into a mold, to become just like everybody else, or to become just like the devil wants you to be. Okay, I'm telling you, this is a fight, isn't it? It's a fight. Joyce Meyer wrote a whole book about it called The Battlefield of the Mind. I mean, there have been, there've been Bible groups everywhere about this. This is better what I'm talking about. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Transform means to be changed from the inside out, to become a different person. The result is... We'll know the perfect will of God, and that is worth knowing. Because if you just know His will, you'll be in great shape. Romans, the next verse says, for, for I say through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. So this being, this having our mind renewed has to do with, 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 with thinking, thinking right. Thinking the way God wants us to think. We're to be transformed, not conformed. We've got to be we've got to change the way we think. We've got to become different people. Why? Because none of us have arrived at Christ like perfection yet. There's still more to think right about. So we need to come to that place. People say, Well, now you just gotta love me just the way I am. No, I don't. I have to love you, but I don't have to love you the way you are. I don't have to love what you do. I don't have to love all that stuff. I love you, but I don't have to love your stuff. And I'm, I don't have to love you the way you are because you aren't the way you are. You're the way you've become because of the way you think. All right? I have to love you. I don't have to love your ways. That's what we have to. Well, you know, you can't trick, teach an old dog new tricks. If you're calling yourself an old dog, you already got a problem. <laughs> the Bible says you're a new creature. And you are in the image of Christ, and you can change. All of us can change. I mean, we can change. The Word has the power to change us. It must have first place in our lives, not just lip service. Well, yeah, but you know, the song says, I don't give a rat's tail about the song. What did God say? There are too many songs out there that don't agree with what God said. I mean, from the old hymns, to the modern music, there are some songs you better change the word to instead of just saying them out loud. What does the Bible say? Well, my preacher said. It doesn't matter what the preacher said. If he doesn't agree with the word of God. If he's just preaching good ideas, that's great. But God ideas are the ones we want to have. We all need mind renewal. The Apostle Paul said, he said, when I only know in part. What? He wrote most of the New Testament and he only knew in part. He had been to the third heaven and he only knew in part. That tells us that we all have some room to have mind renewal. Even if grandma and them taught us this way when we were little, if it doesn't agree with the word of God, it's not from God. 
It's what does the Bible say? I learned a long time ago, you're always wrong if you disagree with God because he is always right. Always right. So we've got, we've got to learn how to think right. We've got to learn how to, 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 to have, be in our right mind. And here's the thing that happens many times with Christians, not just Christians, everybody. I use, I use this scripture when I, when I do marital counseling. So I'm going to read it to you. I talk, I'm talking, I talk to the groom about what the, groom, what the man, husband does, what the wife does. And I always use this scripture out of 1 Peter 3, verse 6. It says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, I always like that part of it, calling him Lord. Tammy calls me Lord a lot. She says, she says Lord, Randy, why did you do that? It, it, is, it is a little L there. It says, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and, not, and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, that's an interesting passage of Scripture, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story that kind of tells you what, that, what that's all about. I have, I have this friend, and he and I have been friends for many, many, many years. But years ago, in the early 80s, they moved to the Metroplex. Tammy and I had moved to the Metroplex. And so they moved, and my friend always had money. He always had lots of money. Probably still does have lots of money. And so he didn't have lots of money at that time because they moved to the Metroplex. He got sick. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. He was sick. He couldn't work. They, they were renting this house. They had, I think at the time, they had three kids, maybe just two. Anyway, so the wife is thinking these thoughts of, of fear and these thoughts of he's going to die, going to leave me with these kids. We're not going to have any money. It's going to be terrible. She's thinking these terrible things, and they're all thoughts of fear. And she's thinking it. She's meditating on how bad it is. Now, these are Christian people, all right? And they're good people, by the way. But, I mean, she, 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 she's, you know, she can't even rest. So it's a Sunday morning, and she's vacuuming the carpet. You know, we went to a church in those days that met Sunday afternoons. And so she's vacuuming the carpet, you know, and he's in the bedroom. The door is closed. And so she's vacuuming. She's getting ready to go in the bedroom. She turns the vacuum cleaner off and she hears him say, can you give me the number to suicide prevention? She is beside herself. She's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? She bursts in the room and she says, don't do it. Don't do it. He looks at her because he's sitting on the bed with his two daughters reading the Sunday comics. And that was a line in the Sunday comics. So she, because of her meditation in fear, meditation in the circumstances, all of a sudden she reacts to what's going on there. And she all of a sudden realizes that she has jumped to a conclusion that wasn't real. Now that's an extreme one there, but we seem to have those things sometimes. Jumping to conclusions. She simply did not have all the information. She jumped to conclusion. That's what we're going to talk about. Jumping to conclusions. Does the Bible talk about it? Yes, it does. It's an imagination. That's right. We read that, I talked about this, that Paul said, For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. There is thinking that is childish. Our thinking should change. We should be thinking differently as we grow in the natural and as we grow in the spirit. 
Spiritually mature people think differently than spiritual infants. That's what transformation is all about. Many are willing to too quickly take thoughts and embrace them, accepting them, and accepting the emotions that go with them, blindly accepting them as truth when they have never really thought it through. They just believe a lie that quick. We talked about this before. We need to be at the door like it's a peephole, and we need to, before we take a thought, we need to make sure it, it fits. Remember, we, we did that checklist that you could think about. What sort of things are true? Pure, honest, good report. Remember, we talked about the bouncer at the door. We need somebody at the door looking through and saying, you're not a thought I can take. But we have been trained all of our lives to jump to conclusions. Here we go. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs says that two different times. There are things that seem right, but they're deadly. They're the ways of death. I learned this a long time ago, as I think you probably have too. When the devil wants to do something to you, he doesn't show up on your front door in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. That isn't what he does. He doesn't do it like that. The Bible says he disguises himself as an angel of light. He looks good when he shows up. He wants you to think he's the good guy and that God is the bad guy, that the preacher is the bad guy. He wants you to think that he's a good guy and his ministers also disguise themselves as ministers of light. He's good at it. He's been around a long time. He's watching human behavior. And he, I tell you, he'll come and he will say, Oh, no. Did God say that? I know the Bible says it, but what about this? What about that? What about, and he begins to reason with you. And it makes sense. Because there is a way that seems right. That's why we need to know what the Word says. The devil wants to take you into the arena of reasoning and rationalization. You need to keep him in the arena of the word and faith. If Eve would have simply said, when he said, did God, hath God said, she should have said, yes, he did, and you shut up and get out of here. <laughs> Kept him in the arena of faith. What does the scripture say? What does it say? This same friend, I just told you a story about one day, he and his wife, this is many years later, they lived in Houston, and they opened their garage door. And their little girl, I think she was two at the time, was struck by a copperhead. They rushed her to the hospital. And the doctor said, he said, she won't live through the day. He said, stop. I do not want to hear it. Yeah. And he didn't listen to it. One of their parents came, or one set of parents came, and they were, oh, no, it's so bad. They said, stop. If you talk that way, you won't be in this room. They only said what God said over and over on that girl. They said, the doctor, she lived through the day, and the doctor was amazed. He said, well, her arm's going to swell up, and we may have to amputate. He said, stop. She will recover. And then they gave another bad report. Stop. He only said what God said. And you know what? Within three days, that girl was home and perfectly normal. 
because they refused. They refused to believe anything other than what God said. All right. The devil wants to wants to get us out of the arena of the word so he can deceive us. That's his wiles. There's a way that seems right and it's not right. There are thoughts that seem true. And when you get those thoughts, the feelings come and back it up. I mean, oh, I got the thought. And it, my feelings are right. It doesn't mean it's true. doesn't mean it's right if, you, if it doesn't agree with the Scripture. Psalms 14:15, New International Version says, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. Man, a simple man believes anything. When they come and they gossip and they say, Did you know? I mean, this weekend... President Trump is coming back in office because he's going to overthrow the regime that's out there. Have you all heard any of those prophecies that people are talking about? I mean, these prophets, sincere people, I guess. The simple believe anything. Anything. You see, we need to understand. What, what does that mean? A simpleton believes anything they hear. Oh, you know, so-and-so told me they don't like you. Do you have to believe it? Do you have to take it right now? I mean, it's like, well, I'll tell you what. I don't like them either. In fact, next time I see them, I'm going to tell them to their face I don't like them. Do you have to believe it? The question you have to ask yourself, is it true? Is it true? We've trained ourselves to believe the worst without examining or qualifying what we've heard or thought. We get involved in emotion. We train ourselves to respond negatively, get our feelings hurt, go through torment based on news that we heard that may or may not be true. I mean, they may have said that, but it may be out of context. And when that happens to you, you know what you are? A simpleton. You believe everything. Verse 16 says, The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. A fool is hot-headed. Man, they get, they're hot-headed, they're reckless, they're quick to get mad, quick to believe something that simply is not true. Fly off the handle over those types of things. We want to get mad and upset. Instead, it's time to find out more information. What, that may be true, but what else, is, what else is true? What else is going on here? The fool just goes off, and, and, and they go off on whatever they, they hear. And they're like, oh, well, what am I going to do? Growing up, we've been trained in fear. And when you start getting involved in the fear, you invite the devil into the room. You get anxiety all over you. And it's hard on your body as well as your mind. Because anxiety will kill you. We're to be careful for nothing, the Bible says. Worried about nothing. Anxious for nothing. Taking no anxious thought. Even though they come, we don't have to take them. We need to find out more information. And then even find out they were true. Even if so-and-so said that. Even if they hate me. God is still on the throne, isn't he? I mean, isn't, isn't he still the one that I turn to? I mean, I'm still going to believe him. He's delivered me before. He'll deliver me again. I mean, the simple, the Bible says, the emphasis says they believe every word they hear. We need to all say this out loud. I am not a simpleton. Just say it. Yeah, you may have been two minutes ago, but now, right now, I am not a simpleton. We change that right now. I'm not going to just believe everything that I can do. Thoughts are very powerful. We need to understand if we take the thought, the thought can destroy your joy. 
It can destroy the peace that you have. And when you have a thought that doesn't have peace, you know it's not from God. When thoughts come from God, they minister life and peace. Okay? When they come from the enemy, they minister death. The scripture talks about carnally minded and spiritually minded. All right? Have you ever wondered why some people are just so grouchy all the time? I mean, some people, they're just mad and they're grouchy all the time. I mean, you love them. They may be family, but you're annoyed to be around them. You just don't like to be around them. Listen, they could become a different person if they would change what they're thinking about. If I'm talking to you, you could be a different person. I don't know anybody like that. You could be transformed into a peaceful, happy person. You ever heard anybody that, well, if I could just do this, then I could be happy. Really? Happiness isn't based on, on, on if you could fix that or do that. And we above all people should be happy. We need, to, we need to decide what do we believe. We need to remember the checklist. Think on these things. A lot of people might waste a lot of their lives, a lot of hours and days throwing them away because they get mad at this one because they heard this rumor, because they hear that. We don't, we don't need to do that. We need to be people who, who understand what the Bible says. Proverbs 19, verse 2 and 3 says, Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. They hear something, and it's their own screw-up that messes up their way, but they get mad at God. Get mad at the Lord. When we get mad, whenever you get mad, it's time to stop and find out the rest of the story. Get the information you need to get. I don't know. We're all parents probably in here. You ever jumped on your child about something, got mad at them? Then you found out you were wrong? That's a tough one, isn't it? Should have asked a few more questions, maybe. You know, or get mad at an employee at work. Why did you do it that way? You know we don't do it that way. And then they explain it to you. It's like, oh, well, that, uh, you probably did it the right way. You probably did the right thing. Because you got more information. We knew that before. We fly off the handle at people. People have quit jobs. People have had fights with their spouse and even gotten divorces because of a thought that wasn't right. They heard a lie and they thought it was right because simpletons believe whatever they hear. Have you ever, how about this one, have you ever, say for example, you come to the breakfast table and your wife, this is a true example that happened to me, I was counseling some people, and your wife burned the toast. And now all of a sudden, you say, you hear the thought, she always burns the toast. If she could get up five minutes earlier, she wouldn't burn the toast. Where did that thought come from? Was it a, thought, was it a God thought? No, it was from the devil. I mean, the guy is telling me that. She's sitting there, we're doing marriage counseling. And I looked at him and I said, can you make toast? Well, yeah, but she's supposed to make the toast. Is that in a contract somewhere? He had this whole train of thought based on burning the toast. And they're getting ready to get a divorce. But all of a sudden, he came to the realization that was a silly thought. We began to talk about some good things and they realized he realized... They had a great marriage. And he was getting ready to throw it all away. We've got to give people a chance to explain themselves. 
give them the opportunity to figure out to figure out maybe maybe our job here is to bring restoration instead of accusation. When we start accusing people, we just join the wrong side because the devil is the accuser. We need to be who we're supposed to be. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of out of time, but let me just tell you a couple of things. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2.2, 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to the people at Thessalonica. We talked about this. We talked about the end times. He says that you, that, you not, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. These people, somebody wrote them a letter and they signed it Paul, Apostle Paul. And in the letter they said, Jesus has already come back. You've missed the rapture. You're stuck. The Bible says that they were shaken in mind and they were troubled because they believed a false report. I mean, just think, they went to church that Sunday and everybody is crying and messed up because they thought they missed the rapture. And Paul told them that. And he writes them, he writes them back and says, I didn't say that. You're messed up because you believe something and didn't ask enough questions to find out. Does that agree with what we've already taught you in the past? Then he goes on in that passage to say, this is what we taught you. You're not, you can't miss it. Till all, this is how you know you miss it if you're still here. And they were, they were upset about that. Listen, we need to be quick to believe good, not quick to believe evil, not quick to believe fear. Uh, oh, I have another two or three examples, but I'll just use this last one here. This is Acts chapter 28. Paul is shipwrecked, and they land on this island, okay? And so there were, they, they, the Bible says there were barbarians on this island. So they, they lived through the shipwreck. They went, lived through the hurricane, and they get up, they get crashed on the island. It says, and when the barbarians, Paul is putting a firewood on the, on the fire, the, a snake comes out and bites Paul. And it says, when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said to themselves, no doubt, there's no doubt here. They believe this with all their hearts. No doubt this man is a murderer. In other words, if you get bit by a snake, you are a murderer, according to them. Whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. I mean, they jumped to a big old conclusion. They didn't know who Paul was. They didn't know anything. He is helping them. They're building a fire. A snake bites him, and they go, well, he's a murderer. (laughs) Yep, murderer. Now, do you think that when they thought he was a murderer, they treated him a different way? Oh, yeah, yeah, if you think a guy's a murderer, it's going to affect the way you treat him. And they're like, see there, see there, murderer, you murder people, you die by a snake. You deserve this. It says, and he shook the beast off into the fire and felt no harm. How be it? They looked, and when he should have swollen and fallen down dead suddenly, but after that they looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. And they said, he was a God. I mean, these people are just being going back and forth here. I mean, snake bites you, you're a murderer. Oh, you live, you're God. You're a God. And so their, their whole way of life was built on, on, on information that they didn't have all the information to. They didn't know who Paul was. They didn't know what Paul believed. Now he got up, he went into the, to the rule of the island to heal his servant, and that made him a, a great guy, but he was never a god. Their thinking was wrong. They had a quick change. When we think wrong, we will treat people wrong. When we think wrong, we may cause a whole group of people to miss something that God has for them. 
because we thought wrong about this. We thought wrong about that. I know of a story where, where a pastor, uh, he was a certain denominational pastor, and he told his people all the time, he would say, now, now whatever you do now, don't you be dipping into that, none of that Copeland Hagen stuff. And he told the people to stay away from anything that Kenneth Hagen ever taught. Stay away from it. Stay away from that man. Well, then his denomination had a meeting and invited Kenneth Hagen to be the speaker. <laughs> they didn't know why. He was mad about that. They got there, and Kenneth Hagin preached this sermon, and the guy received the anointing, was absolutely positively affected by it, stood up in tears and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I have been wrong for decades and told you to never listen to this man. I realize tonight I believe everything he just said. It's all right. It's all right in the Bible. And he said, And more than that, I have allowed my people to miss these truths for generations. Many could have lived longer, could have lived better lives had I just let them hear this man. We don't know sometimes. He had heard that what Hagen said, he, he didn't ever heard Hagen. He heard, he heard somebody told him something about what they thought he said. And they missed all the truth. Um, I had a guy one time come to me and he says, he said, Pastor, everybody thinks this. I was a young pastor. Hurt my feelings, actually. I called a friend of mine. We met him in, in another town and talked about it. And I said, can I just talk to you about something? And he says, let me, let me and I, he knew I was down. He said, let me just guess. Somebody told you that everybody said. And I said, yeah. How'd you know that? He goes, because every pastor hears the same thing all the time. He said, don't believe it. Go ask everybody if you need to. Well, I found out two people said, not everybody. I jumped to a conclusion that simply was not true, and it affected me for a week until I could visit with my friend. It simply wasn't true. I knew in my heart it wasn't true. But I thought, well, if everybody says it, not everybody didn't say it. So what do we have to do? How do we think right? What do we do? The Bible says in Proverbs 6.3, Commit thy works to the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Let's commit our lives to God. Commit our lives to whatever He's doing so He can direct our thoughts. They can be established. We need to start saying this. When somebody says something that all of a sudden we're ready to get mad about and jump to a conclusion about, we need to stop and say, Lord, how do I need to think about this? He's probably going to say, you need to ask some more questions. Find out what the truth is. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Acknowledge him means to recognize him or to ask him how to think. How do I think about this? What do I do? What should I do? See, we are believers. We should be walking in faith, fighting in faith that is unconquerable. We need to be people of faith that, 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 that we believe and we speak what we believe and we say what God says and, and, and we know that it doesn't matter what happens around us, we believe God. We're going to ask Him what to think and we're not simpletons. We're not going to believe everything we hear. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank You tonight. We are not simpletons. 
We are believers. We are believers. We act on what we believe from your word. Father, I thank you that we are, we've become disciples of yours and we believe what you say. I ask you, Lord, to bring revelation in our hearts. Help us to see what we need to see from what we've taught tonight. Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We bless you tonight for your word in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that we really get this way. Lord, we'll have such peaceful lives. We'll just do what you've called us to do. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.